0: Your intro or mine. Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Blue in the Face.
1: Here's the thing. Wow. About Hadley. Who's joining us mm-hmm. for um, for her first episode of As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, uh, David Anthony. Tim Crisp. My dog, Hadley, who is a recent addition to our home. Mm-hmm. Um, we've obviously talked about the recent loss that we had to our yes. home. Um, you were... I, I just watched you experience Hadley and her snort. Yes, it's nice. I like it. it's it's really nice to have uh to have a lovely new dog, um, a lovely new dog who was who who was friends with mm-hmm. Chloe and who also has a characteristic snort. She does have
0: a, a personality, yeah, which I appreciate. Nice to have that back
1: But I like your blue in the face intro there For our podcast about Alkaline Trio David Anthony mm-hmm. It reminded me of like What Jerry Seinfeld would be like If he introduced the show
2: Blue in the face
1: <laughs> Yeah I kind of wanted to I wanted to make it a little less dour Yeah You know Oh such, yeah. It's
0: such a uh, depressing it's so, song It's so dour mm-hmm. This is
1: such a dour track Dowry. Yeah
0: It's oh, when yeah. you trade a goat for a song
1: Uh huh She wrote to me Cruelly dour Anyway, this is the last song on Good Morning, Mm -hmm. a record that we have talked about a lot on As You Were podcast about Alkaline Trio, Um, but we have not touched on much of the second half. Not that much, no. And this is the conclusive ending to a very, very good solid and uh and and very very strong thematic record. Yes. This I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say for for the record that it closes mm-hmm. it's the best closing track for an Alkaline Trio record. I'm not going to debate you. I think Listen, I'm not going to
0: debate. Mhm. Well, I'm not going to challenge you then I think this song is great I think it is a song that I know some people find a little corny Or a little blah 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 I don't really care about any of that I just think it's very well done And I will get into why in a second But I think they have some really great closers Some that are even more popular Say Radio Um, but I think this song does exactly what it needs to do for
1: the record it's on, and I don't think it would fit on any of the other ones. And I don't think that it would fit as any other form than the one that is on this record. Proof positive in the access that we have to different versions of this song, which Mm -hmm. is a... A, a pretty rare thing for this band. Yeah, I I was going to say this
0: last week when we were talking about southern rock, but I think it's more applicable here or an hour ago. But whatever, uh-huh. last week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> but this song is like the definition of measured measure twice, cut once. Where like the original demo version of this, I think is so bad. Um I think that guitar riff electric and fast and punky is just so cheesy. Yeah. Um that hearing this version, this acoustic pulled back version, and specifically the strain in Matt Skiba's voice on it, I think is great. And we also have a third version of it that came out on Damnesia. And we don't talk about a lot of these songs um on Damnesia because most of them are kind of just whatever. But I do find this one compelling because it's clear they did this one just because Matt wanted another go at the vocals. Yeah. Because it's not that different. There's some light auxiliary percussion from Derek, which is nice. It's it's pretty tasteful. I don't think there's anything to be mad about with it. However, it doesn't really hold a candle to the just raw intensity that I hear in this song.
1: Especially for a band that you know has a lot of candles around. Um, Jesus Christ. It's it's definitely like, it works as an end cap to Good Morning so well just because of the strain that Matt's, like Matt's vocals on Good Morning are part of the story yeah. of Good Morning. And to end with something that is so raw and such a, I mean, it, it's not like you had a hard time noticing in the a, yeah. in the other songs that preceded it, but just here it is. And here it is just so upfront and you can, you can hear the, the depth to the strain that he's, mm-hmm. he's going through. Um, I, whenever whenever i'm reminded of it i i think I, I i bring it up the um interview that you did with him mm-hmm. for noisy yeah where he he ranks this as he ranks this record the lowest yeah. of all of them correct it's e- wait, it, it might be maybe i'll catch fire
0: than this it, it those two are the bottom two
1: it, and those two are the bottom two specifically because recording was so strenuous for maybe i'll catch fire it was just the fact that they mm. really just like locked themselves in a room and wrote it and then weren't recorded getting along yeah and yeah and with this one it's just like the physical strain of singing on this was just so much for him mm-hmm. so the the desire to do a damnesia track it's like How could you argue with that? Because for him, all that experience is, is just strain. You can't objectively like experience why that is incredible for everybody else who's listening.
0: Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter how good your high school talent show performance was to the rest of the world. You don't want to fucking watch it.
1: I Um, did picture in the paper. By the New Amsterdam. I know this about you. And I uh, also did lie my face off. But I tell you what, I'm going to go back and I'm going to listen to this song and I'm going to be like, wow, how fucking powerful. No, sorry. I'm going to go back and I'm going to listen to this podcast mm-hmm. and I'm going to say, wow, how, how fucking amazing and powerful that I got to... I got to do this episode of the podcast, and my voice is so beat up from mm-hmm. a sinus infection. And really is appropriate
0: in a lot of ways. Apropos. Mm-hmm. Um, shifting gears, what do you think this
1: song is about, Tim? Um, I think this song is about hmm, the Blue Man Group. Mm. No. Tobias Funke.
0: Mm, interesting.
1: Um, seems like, seems like I'm not getting it.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, this song is about candy. Candy that you,
1: you, uh, you know what? I feel like, I feel like Matt Skiba was similarly moved by candy's, uh, 2018 LP, Good to Feel. Correct. Correct. Uh, you know, he took the candy
0: up his nose because it was good to feel it. Um, uh, it is my understanding wait, of what the song oh, is about? Oh, huh.
1: Okay. So. Oh, he had a sinus infection too. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He was doing that nasal spray. That's what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. There's some dripping down his throat slowly. Uh huh. Uh huh. Packed into his gums. Oh. Okay. Okay. I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know about that method. Oh, so I'm reading here on the internet that this song, uh, I guess, might be about cocaine.
0: I think it might be about cocaine,
1: Tim. Oh, interesting. Um, cocaine, huh? Um, Are you familiar with what that is? I am familiar with what that is. It is uh, It is one of the drugs that I was told over and over and over and over again don't do it. Mm-hmm. That's good
0: advice, honestly. Pretty solid. Uh, I've never done it. I've never
1: done it either. I've never done most drugs. So, and I've done more drugs than you. Mm-hmm. And I am, I am celebrating um, five and a half years and one day Ooh. of sobriety. That's good. Today. congratulations. And despite the fact that i did drink until i had to say i can't drink anymore and i did do some drugs cocaine was always it it never it never became something that was not just the scariest thing it exists in a tier that is just way way too much for me to uh to want to get anywhere near, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, honestly, like my, my parents gave me a lot of "don't do drugs" sure talks, um, and that came from the fact that my parents did too many drugs. Mm. Well, and I've as I've grown older, I've learned how much uh, how much people who you you wouldn't consider when you're fifteen do cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. cocaine it, it becomes a thing that when you're in your late teens and 20s and you start to uh just start to be a, an adult and you exist in the, in the world you realize that like a lot more people do cocaine than you think did in when you were 15 sure i mean i'm
0: So I, uh, Nina, my girlfriend likes to make fun of me. She's like, oh yes, uh, mister, I have two beers a year, which is more or less accurate to my life. I don't really drink that much. And if alcohol is the, uh, heaviest drug I've ever done, so be it. Um, so much so that like when, both when I had my wisdom teeth taken out years ago and when I just had this recent surgery, they gave me prescription pain pills, uh, this one for the surgery they're like oh it's a narcotic and i wouldn't even fill the prescription i'm like i'm not fucking with this i'm good um so i try not to be judgmental about what people do um as long as it is causing no harm to others but cocaine is something that does get me pretty riled up because there's enough evidence in the present day to know this is directly harming a lot of people with its production and distribution and I am not super thrilled when people are willing to disregard what I consider to be a rather frivolous activity of having a little bit more intense of a good time Yeah. Um, for the literal blood that is shed for it. So that's why I don't really care for it. But, yeah, I think growing up I had one perception of it. And then as I entered my 20s and even when I was in college, I was like, ah, people do cocaine a lot. I'm not going to hang out with them anymore. Yeah. And if I'm ever in a place where cocaine is um, dropped onto a table, I leave that table.
1: Yeah. I th- and it's a fucking good strategy because it's, it's a, it's all of those things that you describe. It is only getting to that table through things that are directly harming a lot of people that you don't see mm-hmm. um and it is only going to do one thing for you and that is get you really excited oh sorry two things it's going to get you really excited and it's going to make you want more of it mm-hmm. and i think that one of the one of the realizations that i think i made as i grew older and grew a little bit more perceptive of just how how these drugs exist in a real world sense in the same way that like you're when you reach a certain age you realize that not everybody who smokes marijuana is a burnout yeah uh, like you realize like Oh, like cocaine is pretty, pretty prevalent. Yeah. And it's also something that people who are like Matt Skiba are going to be interacting with a lot more than you might realize when you're sixteen when you're just like, Oh, like he he would never do mm-hmm. he would never do drugs like that. Yeah. Uh and it's like, well he's on tour yeah and he's a musician he's probably done cocaine yeah
0: he's in his mid-20s and is in a pretty popular band playing pretty big rooms on a tour bus it's gonna find its way to
1: you yes and i think that one thing that has helped me um even even when i was very willing to take a lot of things um was as i as i grew older i got to i got to hear perspectives from people who did do a lot of cocaine um stevie ray vaughn stevie ray vaughn um but most specifically robert smith yeah um, talking about making pornography and making uh and, and, and just doing too much cocaine and communicating the fact that it's a drug that just doesn't it, – it only takes. Yeah. You just do it and that's all you care about and that's it. And it just sucks the life out of you until you either have to stop or you have to – expire yeah it's just the reality of the fact and i think that like the 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 fact that it's it will kill you Mm -hmm. it will absolutely destroy your life if not end it if you do too much of it and you're going to want to do too much of it Mm -hmm. especially if you're predisposed to wanting to do it it's just, it just doesn't have uh, it just doesn't have a sustainability to it.
0: No, and uh, I think it's very possible to have a sympathy towards people uh, towards addicts and people who are addicted to things, while also feeling very negative feelings towards the drug itself. And that's kind of the space I occupy myself with. And what I find really interesting about this song to tie it, up, tie it back is it's a song where, he is very clearly aware of what this is doing to him. Yeah. The this song is spelling it out for you, and he is very conscious of the fact that it is taking and harming him. And I've always wondered, and now this is the thing that I'm going to say, uh, is pure conjecture, allegedly, because I don't want to get sued. Um, I've always wondered if his vocal problems are at all related to the fact That he was probably using
1: during this period of time. It could not have helped. Yeah, it just could not have helped him because it just it all just goes through Mm -hmm. that area. And he has
0: obviously, if you watch interviews with Matt Skiba over the past ten years, his voice and throat clearly has had a lot of ups and downs. He's had a throat surgery. So I think there was genuinely a medical thing and that was at play, but obviously, this uh, using cocaine is not helping your cause.
1: Yeah, it's doing the opposite. Yeah, and I think that the the realization that he makes over the course of this song is to what extent this this drug is just. Proving to be so detrimental to him, Mm -hmm. I really, really loved love the line about finding a cure for feeling old. Yeah, he finds this thing, and it allows him to keep going, Mm -hmm. to stay up all night, to basically to. Drink yeah. like he drank When he was 19
0: Yeah it's a feel like he can be productive In the same way it's a feel like he is um, I mean it's why they Always compare addiction to chasing something Yeah um, And I think this is a very clear Version of that uh, it, Cocaine And it's usage is, is its an upper And then you just want to stay up Stay up stay up stay up And he draws that out Quite literally throughout the course of the song
1: I think that when you when you look at what he unpacks on this song it is probably the best artistic representation of what you hear a lot of people say about cocaine when they stop doing it mm-hmm. is it's it just doesn't do anything Other than make you stay up and want more of it and you just, you, you, you want more cocaine, you drink more Mm -hmm. and you stay up all night and you don't talk about anything. Yeah. It feels so important and it's nothing. It's Mm -hmm. just straight up emptiness. Yeah. And the way he puts it, the way he lays it out is really just this real hard fucking uh, the way he lays it out is just this real hard look in the mirror no pun intended Mm -hmm. but this this fucking sucks yeah He's just staying up and talking and talking and talking. And it ruins a relationship. It's doing all this shit to his body. Mm -hmm. It's exacerbating all of the problems of being Matt Skiba in the Alkaline Trio in 2002. And then you get to that conclusion.
0: Yeah, I mean... I think that's why people often view this song as being a little corny. I really like it, and I think the corniness is often when people misread this as being some sort of like misbegotten love song. Um, because that's a pretty good kicker. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, I've always respected the fact that he just kind of puts it out there. He acknowledges what it is. He's not really uh running from it too much i think there's there's a real self-awareness here and i think it's also very interesting to compare it to continental the other big drug song on this record where he is on the other side of it watching someone go through it i think there's a lot of self-awareness on good morning i think there is a lot of careful consideration put into the lyrics and in, in the songwriting and despite what may have been going on with him either vocally that we hear on the record or with substances or whatever else. Um, For him being the age he is during the writing of this record, he seems to have a pretty good perspective on things.
1: Yeah. And I think that coupled with, with Continental, you find him sort of knocking on the door of kind of the two drugs that you're not supposed to do Mm -hmm. and it's with continental it's a look that says oh okay no that is that's way too scary Mm -hmm. that's that's too much for me like i can't i can't go there yeah and blue in the face is I'm here and I'm here and this is I think that this is my projection Um, but it's a pro- projection that I I can make um, from my experience with addiction and being an addict the the natural progression of you drink a lot and then, eventually, cocaine comes in. Mm-hmm. And if cocaine comes in, cocaine's gonna take over. Yeah. And cocaine is cocaine is going to swallow you in a way that alcohol will too. But cocaine, I think, is just such an amplification of a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of the things that happen to anybody who has an addiction that uh, that they can't control. But like it's it's an available path to go down much more so than than heroin it requires less of a commitment mm-hmm. but the well because it's it's a party drug it's a party drug it's a drug that you can that you can take without really having to try yeah yeah it's gonna it'll find you yeah and 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 Matt is there and he's in it and it's this is what it is. Yeah. This is what it is when you're looking at it not from the excitement of of being up at 3:30 with one other person. Yeah. While everybody else is asleep and you're trying to get more cocaine, which is the fucking saddest mm. thing in the world. Yeah. Um there's nothing you gain from it. There's no. there's no there's no perspective that you're gonna gain from it other than, oh fuck, I gotta stop doing this.
0: Yeah, and I guess th- that informs a lot of my perspective on drugs and <laughs> on drugs in general. And it's it's ironic that I've always loved this band who is uh clearly got some booze hounds and drug hounds and the whole thing. So
1: whatever. But like But like the the what is built off of Matt Skiba's like mm relationship with alcohol it's like you can he he wrote so many songs about being shitty and drunk and turn them into good bad all of those things yeah now it's like all right on to the next one cuz you can't just keep doing that because your body isn't up for it anymore
0: yeah and it's just like i i've never really bought into the myth of like Oh the tortured like drugged out artists like that's when they wrote their best work it's a little like uh
1: they managed to write it's like Jimmy, great things because of it yeah it's or, like, uh, despite it i'm sorry yeah it's
0: like Jimi hendrix sucked fucking butts anyway who gives a shit
1: like uh, not true but it's it's true. It's, it's um it, like I would have loved to hear what Jimi Hendrix did uh, on his 29th birthday.
0: Exactly. You know, shit like that. Like I was having this conversation about Kurt Cobain, which is a very different thing, but obviously had his issues with addiction at various points. And it's like people love, you know, it's tragic because of the age. And there's a reason these things happen when these people are at these ages. And, And that's unfortunate. And it's, I've enjoyed seeing the conversation about mental health and addiction and things get progressed a little bit and people talking about how we need to make services more available and more accessible to musicians because they are in a high risk thing in terms of addiction, often in terms of mental health and even just the physical toll of like driving all the time. You can get in an accident, yada, yada, yada. So I think it's important for us to acknowledge that like these people are doing something that is inherently kind of a thrill-seeking behavior. So therefore, to think that it wouldn't draw in addicts is, is foolish. Um So my point to that is that, like, I don't demonize any of these people for what they did, but I think history for a long time was writing about them in a way that did be like, wasn't it fucking cool that Jimi Hendrix did a bunch of drugs and wrote music and died? And it's like, that's yeah. fucking gross. Right. He was a person. Like, regardless of how you feel about whatever he made, he was a, fucking talented person
1: yeah and i think that the you know then you you have your survivors mm-hmm. you have you have keith richards you have lou reed you have people who manage to do all of the drugs and still make it through it's wild and it's like they are going to be such shitty people because of all the drugs that they take <sighs> there's just no way around it if you take that many drugs and you take them all the time you are going to be a shitty person and yeah i have reached a point in my Uh, In my adult life where I've decided that being a shitty person is not a positive thing and it's really not something that you're going to help you're going to like justify to me.
0: No same and I think this ties back to what I was saying about cocaine earlier to kind of close this loop here is like my feeling on addiction is that um, it's tragic but it often manifests in the most selfish behavior possible in my experience. And even in my world where I would say, I don't know anyone who is um, currently in a bad place with drugs or alcohol. I would say I definitely know people who like if they're drinking or even if they're smoking weed, they it's always to 11 and I just have no interest. It's just not fun for me. And it's because it's a, a selfish pursuit. Now, we can get into the psychology and, and the addiction and the, and the deep, dark parts of that where it's not necessarily their fault, but it all ties back to something that is rooted
1: in selfishness. It's, all right, so, I, I take Adderall, I take it because I have ADHD, mm-hmm. and I... I take it because my psychiatrist suggested I take it. Yeah. And I said, my thought in the prescription was, well, I don't think I need that, but I think that I would enjoy it. Sure. And in taking it, realized the medicinal benefits of this stimulant and how it affects not only productivity, mm. but my ability to manage my emotions, yeah. my um, anxieties. Yes, my, all of all of the things that I have a difficult time because a difficult time with because of the chemistry of my brain. Absolutely, I am also aware of the fact that when I take a amphetamine, I am I'm receiving pleasure from it that is something that I will I will want more of it if I allow myself to give in to the I want another one of these right now. Yeah. And I've I've had a few dust-ups with just taking taking my Adderall in the way that is not medically prescribed to me and it is like a light switch goes mm-hmm. off where I can't control the rest of the day yeah for like stopping myself from just doing the thing that gives me pleasure and I have I've done I've done things that are wrong in order to uh, I to defeat to that sure I mean that's that's what happens. it's just it's it's just a a selfishness that takes over that is you learn how to you learn how to not do that anymore and to not get down on yourself in a way that is detrimental but it's just the you can't control yourself when you do this thing if you can't control yourself you can't take it mm-hmm. it's one or the other that's it yeah and it, it's it's just how it is yeah. and and it's just like I've gained that perspective from from realizing that I am an addict, and from getting getting myself out of the things that were really, really ruining my life mm. because I don't have the mental ability to manage them and and just stay afloat. It's, yeah, it just there's no amount of of booze that works for me other than zero. Yeah. Because I I it's like one is just it just opens me up to however many. Yeah. I just don't have control of myself. And it's it's really tough to see how that can play out in in a lot of different people uh-huh. because it's it's like if you if you th- if you have to assert that you're in control of something that is a substance mm-hmm. or or literally anything that that we do that has positive and negative impacts on us if you are or anyone has to assert that they are in control of that thing, they're probably not in control of that thing. Yes, and it's and it's just because they don't have the capacity to control that thing. It's not anything to be ashamed of. No, I'm I'm sorry if I'm just no. like this is. It's just AA. It's no, I mean, just I mean, like it's like you just don't have it. You yeah. just don't have the ability to say. I will have one of that. It just doesn't work that way. And if you're if you're in the position where you have to say like, "Oh, I've got this. I'm in control of it." That's not a thing that everybody has to say.
0: I mean, I think there's even just the
1: illusions of control with like, "I'm going to stop for a month." Oh my god. Cuz you, you can you can go so many people I I've seen people just never admit it. Yeah. It they just they Most keep... people
0: I know haven't. Yeah. that
1: I made my family who I grew up around with it. And if you can't if you can't admit it then you're not going to be able to get anywhere. Yeah. If you keep you're going to have to keep insisting to yourself to anybody around you that you have control over something. Mm-hmm. It's just not, like, the way that everybody functions with yeah. that thing. Some you people know, and, can just do it and, and be fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Is I, I'm very lucky in that regard. But I know I have an addictive personality in other ways. And I've had to be very conscious of them. And, like, because I, I've i never really done drugs at all. Again, alcohol here and there. Very sporadically. Um, It's been... You know, uh, when I was working jobs, I hated it. It was almost like a spending addiction because that made me feel good and distracted. And it was going out to eat and doing these things, and then I'm back in the hole. And it's those are addictions. Um, I think people can get into that with caffeine.
1: Like I used to drink a lot more, and I'm now very very low yeah um and with caffeine it's just like it's fucking better than booze yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know and so like there, there's a
0: million different things but like i'm very conscious of that, like you can get addicted to sugar you can get it addicted to like there are people who are addicted to exercise and yeah. it's negatively impacting their body like everything is a very difficult balance to strike and it involves being like okay what are the ones i'm willing to or can say yes to. Right. You know, and right. for me, it was seeing very early on through my father, through stories of my grandpa's parents of like these, of one of my uncles, like these were addicts Yeah, on both sides of my family. Was I going to roll the dice and for a nice time? And I said, no for years. Yeah. Like I, it wasn't until my mid twenties where I was like, I'm tired of defining my stance on alcohol based on someone else's experience. Yeah. And I tried it and it was fine. Um, and I can enjoy it, but it's when I'm at home, I never have it. When I go out, I never have it. And it was tied into the spending thing for me.
1: Yeah. And I think that like, like your awareness allowed you to understand right away that like okay it shouldn't be in the house because i don't want to have to think about it because i'm going to be i'm predisposed to having to probably think about that Mm -hmm. more than is healthy yeah and it's better to just cut it off i mean mean, to extrapolate further like i can't have I
0: can't really have sweets in the house. I can't, like, keep chips and snack food in the house because I will fucking eat it all. Yeah. Like, that's my thing. Like, I stress eat. I know that about myself. I can't have it around.
1: I'm I'm going through... Still, I'm still getting there. Like, go dialing all the way back to before I ever considered taking a dose of Adderall early Mm -hmm. and coming back from like I don't want to admit the fact that my partner has also has an Adderall prescription Mm -hmm. and that I've taken Adderall from my partner Mm -hmm. that's so shitty that's
0: but it's what it does, yeah. You know, and that's the thing is like, when I say that these things are rooted in selfishness, like, it's not in a judgmental way. Yeah. But I think, I think we need to acknowledge the root of the problem. I I think one of the as much as I think the constructive push forward in how we discuss openly things like mental health and addiction is positive. I think there is often a little bit of kid gloves with it. Yeah. And I think there's a little bit of like you can't say anything bad to them they, they have a mental illness. And yeah. it's like they can still be a fucking asshole and they can still do bad things because of it if they're
1: deciding to not do anything about it. I, I being being in the position that I'm in where uh I'm 33 now I quit drinking when I'm 27. I've had yeah. I've had I've had a lot of conversations with people who are around our age who know that I'm sober who we we meet and have a conversation that where they say you know I think I need to quit drinking Mm -hmm. and the first thing that I say to them is if that's what if that's the dialogue that's happening in your head and it's happening enough to where we're having a conversation about it yes you're going to need to quit drinking at some point mm-hmm. and then we talk about the readiness yeah because that's a whole nother it's that's not a, a light switch you're thing. flipping right you know and it's a full life change um one thing that i i guess i wasn't thinking about before we started talking about this but i think is is I guess just unbelievably pertinent to the, to this conversation that we're having is that, you know, my my parents met because my my dad and my mom's brother were friends, mm-hmm. and my mom's brother brought my mom to a party at my dad's house, mm-hmm. and my mom's brother and my dad liked to party. Sure. And it was I don't know. I feel I feel weird talking about about my dad in this light, but Sure yeah. sure. They like to party. Mm-hmm. And um and David, my uncle. hmm um, Hello uh he started getting into heroin and he he started getting into heroin in in the same way that I think most people get into drugs is that if you if you're around long enough and you're doing all of the other drugs eventually it comes mm-hmm. into the picture same with cocaine same with you know and and he he overdosed he he died jesus and i never met the guy he didn't he died before my parents got married and he he and my dad were not in the best place Mm. when he died and you know that was, heroin was the bridge too far mm-hmm. for my dad, and when David started to get into heroin, they kind of just lost track of him for a little bit. Yeah, and then he OD'd, mm-hmm. and that's that's what heroin does. It just it just takes over. It pulls you out and so many people just fall and it has that power to just completely take away.
0: It's the thing that's telling you you're going to win, but prevents you from doing so. Yeah.
1: And you know, that's why that's why heroin. That's why cocaine were never, Mm A A thing to be Glamorized in any way My parents would have these conversations With me while they were Up on a Saturday night Drinking beer And listening to music because that's what they did Yeah And it was Here is this Thing that we're doing and it's not Good Don't go there Mm -hmm. Don't ever go there yeah. And I think that um I think that with this conversation about Matt and about Alkaline Trio and mm. about Matt doing cocaine it's it's really like it's just a part of a lifestyle that involves just a lot of moving and a mm. lot of late nights and a lot of drinking. And it's just there and when it gets into the mix, it really has a way of just taking over. And I think Matt on this song really illustrates the way that cocaine takes over and makes a conclusion about it that is so emphatic and mm-hmm. it's it's to me, it's the perfect way to end a song. It's the perfect way to, And a record where you also found yourself in in that position looking at the other drug that you're not supposed to do. Yeah,
0: and I think that's the thing is tying it all back around like the amount of empathy he expresses towards his friend in Continental and the amount of distaste he exudes toward himself in Blue in the Face is really telling about the person at the core of it. Yeah, and uh, it's what makes it feel all very genuine to me, because it's pulling from a place of experience in two different ways. Hearing those things on the same record is very profound to yeah. me. And this song, I think, speaks to the fact that like he's aware of what he's doing. He's not lying to himself anymore. Yeah, and maybe that doesn't mean he is in control of it. Or has stopped it or whatever. But he's aware of what it is. And he's not deluding himself anymore. And that's not something I've ever, up to that point, had ever heard. Yeah. In in
1: a way before. Yeah, because I think he's, I think that he is, he's experienced what that drug promises. Mm Mm-hmm and he's lived in it continental it's like there's a fascination and then just the sight is enough to say no I'm good I'm good I don't think that I'm going to navigate that one too well because yeah. you can't yeah and this one I think that I think that cocaine is is much more attractive in its its presentation as a viable thing that you can do to help continue what you're doing. Yeah. And what it really helps you continue to do in this scenario is just more of all of the bad things that you're doing. Tie mm-hmm. uh, this
0: all up. And go off in a slightly different path. So we're going long, but you know that happens sometimes. Um, I interviewed Chicken, the bass player, singer of Dead to Me, a couple of years ago now, and he has famously gone through recovery and written about that. Was we he left. in One Man Army? No. Okay. Um, so he's written a lot of songs about uh, addiction that I think are very uh, yeah. on the nose. Yeah. Uh, first song, uh, the song "Visiting Day" off the first record. Um, the title track to the last seven inch. I want to die in Los Angeles is like him admitting the fact, like if I ever do this again, I am signing up to kill myself. Yeah, and That's what it is. Yeah. And he said something that I'd never heard because I've not gone through recovery, but it's something that I think about a lot in terms of all this, which is like staying in the solution, um, finding what works and using that as your positive force forward. He's like, when you're staying in the negative, when you're staying in the problem to scare you away from it, that will crack, but when you're staying in the solution, that's what pushes you forward um, and keeps you on the right side of things. And I just wanted to say, after this huge conversation, if you're someone who is struggling with addiction, with anything, you can reach out to us. Um, I'm sure there's many more people you know in your life who will also be there for you because it's scary to admit and it's scary to make the decision to stay in the solution. So the point of all this is just that, like, we are all fragile beings. Um, we all get caught up in things that we did not see when we made the decision to start doing something, even if it's something we thought was innocuous or fine or whatever. And it is okay and healthy to admit you're wrong. I've been wrong a million times. I can admit that my take on a lot of this stuff is probably inarticulate from not having first-hand experience and only i don't even know what i would describe it as um uh but like there is always a path even when it feels like there is not and that's important to remember and you may not be through it but that's a lifetime thing
1: yeah and it it was so revelatory for me to just start to realize and have it start to be made clear that what you are suffering through mentally is a physical thing. Mm -hmm. It's just a physical thing that doesn't have anything to do with your personality or your potential because I could not have done any of the things that I've done in the last five and a half years if I was still drinking. Mm -hmm. And it's still something that I have to work out and it's still something that I have to continue to evolve with but I know that my functionality as a person is at an infinitely higher rate when I'm not putting poison into myself
2: mm-hmm. ever
1: and um I I think for me of the of the past uh six years jason isbell's southeastern is a record about recovery Mm -hmm. and his his whole thing since he got sober has been i am better at my craft because i don't do things that are bad for me i i work better now i work smoother i work smarter because I don't have to work against all of the other things. Mm-hmm. And that's I think like the best the best part of all of it is you're working to you're working to to function. You're just working to function mm-hmm. better and poisoning yourself is not ever going to help you. Yeah. If you're someone who has a
0: good balance on it, God bless
1: but i don't i don't start like r- yeah god bless because you don't have to fucking deal yeah. with all this nonsense attached to but it. it's also like i don't
0: like trying to ride my bike with 10 pounds of weights on my legs either yeah and sometimes you don't realize they were there until you decide to take them off yep
1: i i don't like having to wake up and uh figure out how i'm going to Put myself into a position where my, uh, where my brain can function to just have a normal day. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you start on a a pretty high level in comparison when you're not waking up and you can't think straight. Mm-hmm. What do you rate this song? Four and a half out of five for me. Five out of five.
0: That's a good pick.
1: Yeah, I think four and a half is a good one too. I was thinking about that, like, oh, oh. It, it rides a line for me. It really There's it, yeah. a
0: day where it's a five and there's a day where it's a four and a half for me. Yeah.
1: It rides a couple lines <laughs> and a couple bumps. Um but you know, I think that I-, I know that we're going long, but I think that uh one of the things that I thought about with this song is like uh you know, I didn't know Blue in the Face was about cocaine until a couple years later. Just like I didn't know ninety seven was about weed until a few years later
0: i I will say uh, kudos to matt for
1: three of his best songs all being focused around one specific drug apparently yeah um amazing uh but this one is is like uh it's so on the nose (laughs) um yeah i i think that like i i've only just grown to appreciate it more as such a like conclusive piece yeah to to in my opinion their best record
0: yeah i mean uh not my favorite but the best yeah that uh, is that's a weird distinction but it's a distinction i've
1: made damn what an episode, my friend! What an episode! We've this been is in. why we do it. Damn right! I think that uh, I think that I, I, I've grown to really, really love the feeling that I get when I'm doing this with you, and the realization when we're just getting started, like. Yeah, this is going to be a yeah. This, this going gonna to go. good episode of this podcast.
0: I mean to lift the veil a bit before every episode. It's like, all right, what do we want to talk about? And this one was just kind of a five-minute conversation about cocaine. And we're like, oh, well, I think we've got enough. Let's just... Yeah. Let's see where it goes. Uh, and it's always a nice feeling. I'm glad that we... I'm glad we don't do this all the time because I think that would uh, diminish it when we do.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, but, you know it's been it's been really nice with this uh thing that we do and we've we've done almost 90 of these and we wild uh we've been able to get into things that are a part of what the song is about Mm -hmm. but really it's it's a chance for us to to talk openly about about ourselves and about our experience and i i'm going to feel better about my day today and tomorrow and afterwards because of the conversation that we had i
0: agree and it's uh to echo your point and not just parrot it back to you it's fun coming in here and not knowing being like oh i'm gonna talk about these couple songs and then leaving and being like wow we talked about so much about ourselves, about why we connect to these things, about why these things matter to us. And that's what good art does. And that's the purpose of why we connected to anything in the first place. And I've probably said that a billion times. But it's why we do this podcast. yeah, And not a podcast about some other band. yeah, And not a podcast about a quote-unquote cooler band. We do it because this has always been there. And it's always meant something to us no matter what has happened.
1: Yeah. And that's a powerful thing. Yeah. And it's nice to be able to, it's nice to be able to return and, and realize, Oh, th- the impact of this thing has just really only grown and, and evolved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I go back to being 16 and, and hearing this song and, And really feeling like, wait, Matt Skiba would do cocaine. Yeah, and going back and and just like tying that into you know an evolving understanding of how certain things exist in the real world. Yeah, and and like God, like here, here he is, like the guy who the guy who helped me get through high school is also able to provide perspective to me as a 33 year old mm-hmm. recovering alcoholic i i love that I, I i it's nice to know that the thing that we were into mm-hmm. then was kind of the right thing to be into then yes yeah. yeah it's just like this is the, it's a special thing
0: yeah it's it's always interesting when you find that the thread you started tugging on 20 years ago is a thing that you're still pulling from today yeah um and i think that's that's what makes it all so special it's what makes people obsessive about whatever thing they're obsessive about yeah you know to uh um, it's why music will always be at the forefront of my interest and how I spend most of my time, be it listening to it or discussing it or tracking it down or whatever the fuck, because, um, there's meaning there and there's substance there and there's something that, uh, even in my bleakest, darkest moments has, uh, provided me a comfort or made me feel less alone. And I think uh, a song like this is a beautiful,
1: um, a beautiful use of that Yeah Yeah we're, we're going back We're tugging From the same thing And It's It's still spitting It's still spitting quarters to us mm-hmm. You know Yeah It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's Barney Gumble at Mr. Kern- Burns Casino Um Hey Uh this is our podcast. It's about alkaline trio. It's called ostensibly as you were a podcast about alkaline trio and other drugs. And, uh, we do it every week because I mean, I think we just, yeah, we just told you why we do it every week for the past six minutes. Uh huh. We have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash as you were, you can go over there and pledge a monthly amount and, uh, help us to continue to do it. And, you can get some stuff in exchange for it, which is like pretty cool. Yeah, and some nice stuff. Either way, we'll be back talking because, as you as you've learned, mm-hmm. we fucking love to talk. Yes, and we especially like to talk to each other. It's a goddamn, it's a goddamn pleasure mm-hmm. that I have this excuse. Oh yeah. So we'll be back next week with, uh, we won't talk this. No, back. it'll still be great. Thanks for I haven't slept since I met you. And you can't breathe without coughing at daytime. Neither can I. So what do you say? You're coughing on mine.